She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast. Episode 13. Beyond the Sea. Lucky number 13. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Everything's good? Yeah, it's good. I've got, I'm making chicken crockpot tacos, oh. which I'm really excited about for later. So that's always fun. Okay. It's, it's really easy and it's really good. Maybe we'll start another podcast about <laughs> recipes. Recipes. Crock-pot but for now, recipes. let's talk about Beyond the Sea. Yay. So this episode was written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong, and it was directed by David Nutter. It was filmed in Vancouver and Steveston, British Columbia. Its original air date was Friday, January 7th, 1994. Ooh, new year. Yeah. So over the holiday break, they did not air any new episodes, but on Christmas Eve, 1993, they did re-air Deep Throat. And then on December 31st, New Year's Eve, they re-aired Jersey Devil. Oh, New Year's Eve was on a Friday in 93. Yeah, must have been wild. Yeah. So they've aired Deep Throat and Squeeze and Conduit and Jersey Devil as repeats so far, but they haven't re-aired the pilot, which is weird. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. So I didn't get viewership for the reruns because I'm trash, but viewership for Beyond the Sea was 10.8 million in the United States, which is lower than the last episode. Because I said it would probably be lower because Fire was not a very good episode. And so even though it's just a little bit lower, it's still lower. So I was right. I was right. <laughs> yes, you were. That's right. Always right. Never wrong. <laughs> um, that is me. Maybe. Always right. <laughs> so now that we go all the details about Beyond the Sea, what is it actually about? Is it about sailing? Um, yes. Falling off the edge of the earth. It's about sailing. Um, Mulder and Scully start a sailing club. And no. Cool. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh. <laughs> Rats. So after the death of Scully's father, Mulder has this case where the best hope of finding two kidnapped teens relies on the supposed psychic abilities of a serial killer. For once, Mulder's pretty skeptical. But when the killer calls Scully by the nickname her dad called her and then starts singing the song that played at his funeral, she's unsure what to believe. And the clock is ticking to rescue these teens before they're killed. That actually seems like a lot to get into an episode. Yeah, it's a lot. It's kind of a... Yeah, it's like, after the death of Scully's father, Mulder has a kid, and you're like, whoa, whoa, what did you just say? Yeah, what? No, okay, it's yeah. a lot. It's, it's a busy episode. A lot happened. Which, uh, now I'm thinking they're probably not going to be able to shoehorn aliens into this. Probably not. Um. Yeah, I, I wouldn't expect them to. Okay. Well, so speaking of Scully's dad, who's not yet dead, he's looking at an angel on top of the Christmas tree and asks Scully if she's going to just keep that up all year. And she's like, yeah, because when I was a kid, you always made us take everything down the day after Christmas. So I'm making up for lost time. So we're actually at Scully's apartment and her mom and dad are visiting. It's like they probably like maybe just had dinner or something. Yeah. But Scully's mom is helping to clean up. And then her dad is like, well, we should go. Like just like almost out of the blue. Like they're talking and he's like, oh, we should go. So Scully looks kind of like that. She kind of looks at her mom and her mom kind of looks at him. So she hugs her mom and is like, goodbye. And then she's like, good sailing Ahab and like gives her dad a salute. 
and he calls her Starbuck and they hug. And then Scully's mom kind of like gives him like the eyeball over, over Scully's shoulder. Cause she's behind Scully. And he kind of says like, do you enjoy your job? And she's like, yes. And he's like, okay. And then they leave. <laughs> so very like some, obviously like some communication issues between like father and daughter. Kind right. Of stuff. Yeah. And we did remember in pilot, she'd talk about how her parents were kind of not happy about her joining the FBI and not being a doctor. Right. So that may be some of it. So then we cut to Scully asleep on the couch and it's like 1.47 a.m. And infomercials are playing on the television and she wakes up and her dad is sitting in a chair and he's like talking, but not talking like his mouth is moving, but no words are coming out. And she's like, I thought you guys left. And he just kind of like doesn't respond just still with like the mouth moving and no words coming out. And the phone rings and she's like, oh, gets startled by the phone ringing. And then she reaches back to get the phone, but then looks back to her dad and her dad's gone. Chair's empty. So she grabs the phone and like, is all like, hello, hello, hello. And like, there's no one answering for a while. You're like, Ooh, what's going on? And then it turns out it's actually Scully's mom. And she's telling Scully that her dad had a massive coronary an hour ago and we'd lost him. So, you know, using that euphemism for death kind of thing. And then Scully looks back and of course there's no one in the chair because her dad's dead and they did leave so yeah yeah and then we get the theme song yeah i so i knew exactly what was happening like the minute he was in the chair i was like oh i know exactly what this is i still got goosebumps because like i don't know it just when she called and she got that call and then like looks back and he's gone i don't know gave me goosebumps so good work i guess x-files because it worked yeah i did have a little quibble with that scene like i get it like i get the point of it and if like you hear about that kind of thing my only quibble with it was that she sees her father and then she gets the call, but the call says he died like an hour ago. Whereas in most of those claims, usually you get the appearance of the person at the time of death. Right. But she was asleep so, when he died. And well, I think I know. I just think they could have done something where like she could have woken up, especially because she's like on the couch. It's like, why is she on the couch? I don't understand that part either. She fell asleep. She's on the couch. She's on the couch. And like if she was on the couch and woke up and saw him. And then like kind of like blinked her eyes or something and he was gone. She'd be like, oh, I must have been dreaming. So then she goes back to sleep or maybe even goes like to bed itself and then gets the call an hour later. Like we see the clock again and it's like an hour later and her mom says, oh, he died an hour ago. Then it's like, woo, spooky, spooky. So yeah, I, I mean, mean I'm, not, I'm, I'm not downplaying it, but I was like, I think that would maybe worked a little bit better. Yeah, I don't think it matters that much. Like, I think the point is, like, I don't think it matters I do, if it's right when he okay. dies. Or an hour later. (laughs) I think it's fine because I think the point the point is that it doesn't matter if it's at the exact moment. It's that he's gone and she sees him and has that experience. Yeah, but at that moment when your soul leaves your body, that's when you visit your loved ones. Well, maybe maybe it took him an hour. Maybe it took him some time. Maybe he was sitting there. Gotta wait wait for the spirit bus. Damn, Charon, he's always late. Okay, Scully had some wine with dinner. (laughs) She passed out on the couch, and he's like sitting there waiting for her to wake up as a ghostly apparition. It took an hour. (laughs) Oh, okay. That's what it was. Okay. I don't know. (laughs) All righty. That actually would I could I could go for that if that was the case too. I don't okay. I don't actually like, know. If, like if like if we like saw him like just go through like tapping his thigh waiting for her to wake up and then finally <laughs> like, she wakes up. <laughs> well, he's watching the infomercials, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Ghost business is rough. <laughs> yeah. And this is actually I think the first opening we actually get with Mulder or Scully instead of like a random person. <laughs> yeah, I think I think so. I had to think I saw your note about that and I was like, 
I didn't actually go back and check, but I do think that is correct. Yeah, I can't think of one where we saw them instead of someone else. So that was interesting. Yeah. Revisiting the ghost thing one more time because I didn't read all my notes as we were talking. I also think it would be like some fan service if like what he was actually saying was something that like people who can lip read could see what he was saying. Like that would actually be like, like we'll find out like a message for Scully. But I guess actually the actor was just like doing the Lord's Prayer or something. Right. So, which I guess kind of fits in with that. But I think it would be cooler if he was like, I am proud of you, Starbuck. Oh, I love you. (laughs) No, see, I think it's better than it's not. But we'll talk about that at the end because I think that's important. Okay. We're going to work. We're busting out the (laughs) boxing gloves on this one so far. Okay. (laughs) I have have strong feelings about this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was my turn. Sorry. Yeah, it's your turn. <laughs> I know how this podcast works. I've been doing it for weeks. Um, so then we're at Jackson University in Raleigh. North. That's hilarious. I, I've been doing it for weeks, <laughs> weeks. which is not wrong. But... Weeks and weeks. Oh, today is actually, no, yesterday was actually our anniversary. Oh, our yeah, anniversary. that's right. Because it was yeah. September 10th. It came out and yesterday was October 10th. Yeah. Cool. I mean, obviously we recorded before that. But, right. Yeah. So anyway, sorry. No, that's totally fine. I'm I, so how this podcast works is I always make sure I interrupt you. That's how it works. <laughs> so So we're at Jackson University in Raleigh, North Carolina, and there are two young people making out in a car, and someone knocks on their window and shines a flashlight in, and the person shining the flashlight makes sure to keep it in their eyes so they can't really get a good look. And so the guy who's in the driver's seat rolls down the window, and the man outside is like, You need to get out of the car. And the guy's like He's kind of like, ha ha, we're caught, we'll leave or whatever. And the guy's like, no, you need to get out. And so he, he Jim, we'll learn his name is, is a teenager. And he like gets out of the car. He's like 19, 20. And as he does, the man's like, you need to turn around. And he's like really rough. And so Jim kind of looks down and notices that this guy's wearing blue jeans. And he's not wearing like a police uniform. So then he asks the man for ID and the man punches him in the face. And then it cuts. Yep. And his face smashes against, the, well, not, I shouldn't say smash because that sounds like it breaks, but like his face like hits the windshield and he kind of slides down and the girl's all like, ah! Right. And there's like a little splitter of blood because I, I think he hit the guy with like the flashlight because he takes the flashlight down and then it's dark. And of course, the guy's just had like flashlight in his eyes so he can't see. And then we cut to like a scene from inside the window. Right, clocks And him. we see like a little blood thing, boom, and then his face goes, cool, and he slides down. So... Some Zodiac Killer vibes for me yeah. on this one. Yeah. Very, because I think that's some of what he did. A, uh, I mean, it's almost like every, I mean, I figured you would probably know this more than I would because I know you're the true current person. But um, it seemed like the Zodiac Killer kind of used a different method almost every time. Yeah. Know, assuming that he actually did commit all the murders that he supposedly says he committed. But I know at least one was something similar to this. And also this is kind of like that trope about, you know, people smooching in cars and whether it be right. the guy with a hook hand or whatever. Well, and also, like, there are a couple different serial killers who have used similar tactics. And I know Ted Bundy pretended to be a cop a couple times. And one of the pieces of advice they give you is that if you're pulled over, especially at night, and you have, like, suspicions about the car, because maybe it's, like, a plane car with light or something, they tell you to, like, call 911 and, like, verify, say, hey, I've just been pulled over at this, like, whatever. But obviously, if you're a person of color, that's way harder to do um, without, you know, well, and in 1993, two college students probably didn't have a didn't have a phone right. to call the police from their car. It's not something yeah. you do now. So, it's just the common advice yeah. now is if you get pulled over and you're weird about it, you can always call 911 and like try and verify. But again, like that can still be tricky. So 
Yeah. And I guess, I mean, it, I guess it kind of comes into play in the opening scene that we talked about. So this takes place like right after Christmas, it must be. Yeah. I would assume it's like late December or early January. Yes. Well, I know in one of the books, it lists her father's death as December 1993. Okay. So it but, could be like so end of December. Be, yeah. Because I was thinking maybe they were having like, like they were having, because obviously it's after Christmas because he's like, you can take this down. So it must be like, it's not Christmas Day dinner they were having. Maybe like a belated Christmas dinner or something. Or yeah. Because yeah. then the girl in the car too, you kind of hear like them talking about when they're, when they're, you know, making out. She was talking about how like she was just sitting there watching everybody open their preds and just wishing like he was there or something like that. So it's relatively close to Christmas. Right. All right. And it's kind of like we get two teaser scenes in this episode almost. Yeah, kind of. Because this, this would be like, if it wasn't for that first, if like if, if Scully's dad dying wasn't a part of this story it's almost like this scene would have been the opening you know with someone knocking out kids and then we would do 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 right. and then it would turn out it would be like aliens or something smacking people with flashlights right but it's not probably, probably. yeah so we cut to washington dc fbi headquarters surprise surprise and scully comes in the office and Mulder's reading some criminal profiles he doesn't notice her at first and she teases him about how the last time he was reading something so in-depth, he was reading, it's like basically like a porn thing, but it's not Hanky Panky magazine that he was reading in Jersey Devil. So I'm not sure. He must have lots of porn that he reads in his office when she walks in. And he's surprised that she was there. And it's like, oh, I didn't think you'd be in today. And then he's like, how are you, Dana? And she's sort of like, Dana, because he never calls her Dana. He always calls her Scully, right? And so she asks what he's working on. He tells her that a couple of kids were kidnapped. And there was a similar case a year ago where a couple was kidnapped, tortured, and then their bodies were found a week later. So if it's the same guy, that means they have five days to find them. And she's like, that's a grim deadline. So I do have to say one thing about this. Like, if there's only two cases and they're already thinking it might be a serial killer, like, they are on the ball. Usually it takes more than, like two cases to start thinking that it's a serial killer yeah years apart and in different cities yeah i thought that was interesting because usually it's like every year for the last five years we've had this kidnapping yeah whatever and so it's weird that it's just one and it's not like the same location either it's like a whole different city and i think even in a different state i'm trying to remember what cities these are occurring in right but i think it's actually in a a completely different state so the fact that they're putting like these two cases together already is kind of like damn okay (laughs) yeah it's pretty I mean, they're good on this one, I guess. They jumped on it quick. Yeah. So in addition, there's this man who's on death row, Luther Lee Boggs, and he's scheduled to be executed in a week, in one week. He claims to have information about the couple's whereabouts, and he's claiming to get this information via psychic transmission. And apparently he was able to describe Holly's bracelet perfectly, and Holly is the girl who is in the car. Okay. And Mulder's actually skeptical which Scully's kind of surprised about and Mulder's like, well, you know, I put Boggs in jail or like his profile helped put him in jail. And then Boggs was actually scheduled to die before and he was actually put in the chamber and then he was given a stay of execution, like at the last second. And so Boggs claims that this experience opened him up to this world where he can like channel spirits and demons. And so Mulder's like, I believe in psychics, but not this guy. This guy is full of it. And he thinks Boggs orchestrated this whole kidnapping from prison to save himself. And so he's pretending to have psychic ability, but actually, like, he's behind it. 
And then he talks a little bit about heinous Boggs's crimes are, including that he actually killed five members of his family at Thanksgiving dinner and then just like sat down to watch football. Well, and before that, when he was like six years old, he killed like all the pets. In yeah, his, I was going to not talk about that because it's really disturbing. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, that, but that's, you know, <laughs> but, that, yeah, that, I mean, that is, that's, that's pretty heinous. <laughs> it is pretty if heinous. If you're going to be talking about heinous, oh, you need to get the heinous oh, stuff. Oh, I just don't like thinking so, about it. Yeah. <laughs> and then Mulder's basically like, Boggs kills because he likes killing. Like, he's that kind of killer. Yeah. So Scully's like, well, why are you going to go talk to him? And he's like, well, Boggs actually requested to speak to me because Mulder's the one who wrote the profile on Boggs because obviously he's the one who you know, got him on death row. And apparently Boggs read Mulder's profile of himself. And so he thinks that Mulder is the only person who understands him. Right. So Scully's like, well, I'll go with you. My father's funeral is at noon and we can go. And Mulder's like, you know, maybe you need to take some time off. And she's like, no, I want to work. So Mulder leaves. And after he leaves, Scully opens up one of the file cabinets in the office and there's an X file on it. And in big letters, it's got stamped on it. That's all visionary encounters with the dead. And so like, she's maybe thinking about looking at it and she just like, no, boom, she puts it back in there and just slams the drawer shut. Right. So, yeah. So a couple things. So talking about that profile that Mulder wrote when he's reading it, when the scene opens on the, we get to see the front of it. And on the front of it, it's got the little FBI logo and it says criminal profile at the top. And there's all subject, Boggs, comma, Luther Lee, prepared by Special Agent Fox Mulder. Although both special and agent are like abbreviated S-P-A-G-T, Fox Mulder. And the date is August 10th, 1985, which is Mulder technically would have still been at Oxford University because we, we know he didn't join the agency until like 88. Right. So that was talked about, yeah. Wasn't he writing profiles at Oxford though? Didn't it come up or something? Yeah, but that's an, but it's, but it says it's special agent. Oh, you're right. So yeah, he wouldn't have been an agent yet. Yeah, so they kind of bungled the date on a prop again, which isn't the first time. No. And then again, we've noticed like in some official information about the show on the same page, we will not slander. Well, I guess it's not slander because they're de- definitely wrong. It's in print, but there is a book that is calling itself the official guide to the X-Files that on the page for Mulder, it has the date that he attended Oxford and the date that he started Ghoul and Quantico for the FBI. And then right below that, it has totally different dates for when he graduated yeah. and when he started and became an agent. So, yeah. So, Which yeah. Is, even in, it's fiction. So, But still, I mean, I work as a copy editor sometimes and it kind of boggles my mind that that was missed because so many people would have looked at that page and not connected that those dates were contradictory so i'm not sure how that happened that is kind of interesting (laughs) yeah especially because i'm pretty sure my copy is not the first edition so you think that would have been fixed anyway i don't know but there is one thing that's cool in the scene that is sort of accurate is that hanging on the coat rack in Mulder's office is Max's nightcap hat. Yay! Yay, Max's nightcap hat. Yay, I totally missed the hat, too, so I'm glad you caught it. Oh, okay. It. Yeah, I was like, as soon as he's walking out, I'm like, hey, Max's nightcap hat. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yay. And then we have a little bit of creepiness in the scene as well. Because when Mulder's telling Scully that maybe she should take some time off, and he's, you know, trying to be sympathetic and show empathy about her. He, like, puts his hand on her face and, like, cradles her head in his hand. Like, oh, Scully. And I'm like, that's creepy. Yeah, I mean, it's... that They need to stop doing that. Not I mean, a pro- Especially because... 
the last time this happened sort of was in squeeze when he like grabbed her necklace and started fondling it right when she was starting to walk away and that's also a morgan wong episode so yeah but yeah they need to stop doing that i didn't see it as like super creepy or gross it did feel really like intimate and it felt like i thought it was just kind of to me and like i'm sure lots of people are going to agree with you because it does feel like i mean obviously it's not appropriate at work and um <laughs> which Mulder obviously has issues with um but yeah. i just felt- we know he likes to grab evidence but scully's not evidence either so well i mean you know he's scully. got stuff going on in the office sometimes that maybe you shouldn't have oh um, yeah that's true but i just kind of felt like it was trying to show how close they'd become because they've been working together for at least a, almost a year at this point like if we take the pilot dates is 1992 as if that was a mistake and it was actually March of 93. Then it's almost, then, two, it's almost two years now. Well, if we take the pilot dates as a mistake and decide that it was 93 oh, instead, sorry. then it's been yeah. almost, a almost year. a year. And yeah. they, I mean, they have been through a lot. And so I could see them being close enough where that's not weird. As long as Kelly is not a weird like, anti-touch person. I, but if someone I have to say like that, I would be pretty like, don't do that. But you know, yeah, I have to say my, wife who has been my girlfriend for 28 years and my wife for 18 years she was waiting for me to finish re-watching this episode because she was like i need to tell you something about this episode i'm like well i haven't watched it yet so don't tell me anything about it as soon as i finished watching it she was like okay can i tell you something about this episode now i'm like yeah and she walks over and she puts her hand on my face <laughs> and it's like oh are you sure you're okay <laughs> and i'm like yeah that was yeah she's like yeah that was i'm sorry if you're sleeping together even that's still creepy yeah it so, is a little much for, I i'm agree the only person who <laughs> it didn't like st- yeah. it did strike me as like that's that's a little much for their relationship as far as we know yeah. it um but yeah. <laughs> yeah so like writers stop writing that stuff directors stop directing that stuff david duchovny stop doing that stuff whoever's doing that whoever's in charge <laughs> of making Mulder all handsy with scully stop okay stop <laughs> thank you all right well just a handsy guy he's just got his he hands is, everywhere but, yeah but he needs to stop i'm not okay? saying it's okay i'm just saying he's that's definitely his character <laughs> But to bring it back to a good, yay, Max's hat. Yay. I mean, sad Max's hat. Yay, Max's hat. Yeah. So speaking of sad, um, then we're at Scully's father's funeral, which is being Ooh, held. Segway. I am the king of segways. Look at that. Uh, it's being held like next to the water and there's a boat and there's a man on the boat and he's like spreading ashes into the water. I'm not sure what body of water it is, but. Mm. Uh, the, I, don't, oh, I don't know where the we're assuming the funeral must be close by if Scully's like, funeral's right. at noon and then I'll meet you. So the Potomac? Probably. And so this guy's like spreading the ashes from the boat and Scully's standing next to her mom. I didn't see Melissa in this scene, which Melissa is Scully's sister. And I I didn't really look super close because I didn't think about it till later. And then I was like, wait, was Melissa there? I don't think she was. Doesn't she have a brother also? There were a couple people there. So I'm not sure if they were supposed to be okay. siblings. I don't know. But yeah, I didn't notice if Melissa was there. I didn't think she was. They decided she had a sister later. Yeah. So I think that's probably why she wasn't there. And then Scully's like, well, you know, he could have been buried at Arlington. He definitely earned it. And the mom's like, well... This is what he wanted. And Beyond the Sea is playing. And like her mom kind of talks about how like that song played at their wedding and it was important to him. And he really liked that song. And then Scully asks her mom if her father was proud of her. And her mom answers, he was your father. And Scully definitely does not look satisfied with that answer. No, that's kind of a non-answer. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a scene and I tried to find it. I tried looking up, but... So Bill Murray is known to improvise a lot. Right. And so when you look at the script of a film that he was in, if you're thinking about a line he said, 
it's very often not actually in the script. So mm-hmm. I couldn't find it. And I wasn't good. I didn't have time to go watch What About Bob again. But there is a scene in there, and I'm probably going to mess this quote up, but paraphrase here, where one of the characters, like he's asking if he could do something. And the person says, well, maybe. And he's like, when my mom would say that, it meant no. <laughs> and that's the first thing I thought of when she was like, <laughs> he was your father. <laughs> I was like, that means no. Because if it wasn't no, you would have said yes. So... <laughs> Yeah, and it's funny because I had that note too, and then I deleted it, and that's just because of how it comes back later, and so I decided that it was okay. But I do agree with you; it's kind of a non-answer. Yeah. Uh, so uh, when this scene started, I like I don't know if I just forgot about the fact that like oh my dad's funeral is like at noon, and I just assume I guess maybe just in my head funeral is funeral and not like spreading ashes, because when the scene opened, I'm like what's six hundred dude doing like feeding the fish what i don't understand what's going on because like the guy's like spreading the ashes over the water and it looks like he's just like feeding fish out on the ocean like some crazy person <laughs> would do and so i was like and then i was later like when they cut to the scene of them all standing there i was like oh yeah. those are ashes and i was like "Ooh, awkward okay <laughs> so question for you yes because in all the references, it talks about how this is the Bobby Darren song that's playing, you know, Beyond the Sea, right? Yes. And the song was playing, like, when he finished his, like, I guess he, the Cuban blockade, he got off the boat, he heard the song, and right after that, he asked her mom to marry him. And so the song is very important to them. In the version of this that I watched, it is not the Bobby Darren version of Beyond the Sea. It's actually the French version, which is the original version, which is La Mer, because it's in French. Huh. Was was your version in French? Did you watch it on Hulu? No. Okay, because I did, and I swear it was just the Bobby Darren Beyond the Sea. Because the version I watched is from a DVD set. Oh my gosh. And it was French. And so I'm wondering if it's one of those things where, you know, like they had the thing about like when things come in on DVD, they can't get the rights to the actual music. And so they have to do like fake music. Yeah. And so, because it sounds like someone trying to sing like Bobby Darren. But then they're doing the French version. You know, it's funny because I swore that it was just the English, but I'd have to watch it again. I'll go back and I'll I'll check. But like, we'll have an addendum on this next episode. Yeah, because I'll check because so. I'm pretty sure it was just the English Bobby Darren version. But I don't know because maybe that's what I expected to hear, and so maybe I didn't. Notice. Yeah, and I could not find <laughs> a version of Bobby Darren singing it in French. And like I said, the version like what I heard. It sounded like someone trying to sound like Bobby Darren, huh? But it was in French, and then I went through and listened to like a bunch of different French versions, like the more popular French versions, and all of them had a much deep, like even like Bing Crosby did like a version in French. It's like I think one of the first versions that like came over here in the United States or whatever. And but his voice is much deeper than Bobby Darren's is, right? And so like all the people who sang it in French, if they weren't a woman, which this person I heard was not a woman, it was definitely a guy their voices were too deep. Hmm. And so, like I said, this sounded like it was trying to be Bobby Darren, but I could not find a French version from Bobby Darren anywhere. So yeah, I wonder if it's just like, I don't know. Yeah. I wonder if maybe the French version is like in public domain. And so they just got someone to like do a version of it for the DVD. Maybe. And then, cause I know like, I know the set that 70s show had a really big problem with that because they would play a lot of original music like, you know, like Led Zeppelin, that kind of stuff on the TV show. But then when it came out on DVD, everyone complained because the music wasn't the same. They had to put in like Led Zeppelin sounding music. And then, yeah. yeah so I wonder if it's one of those things on since the version, like I said, the version I'm watching is from a DVD set. Okay. 
So yeah, I'll have to right, check. They, so I'll go back. Maybe the and, rights have changed since then or something. Yeah, so. I'll go back and see if Hulu's version is the English because I'm pretty sure it was. But again, I might have been. Also, I took French in high school, so sometimes I don't notice if something's in French. Okay. Because I just did. Yeah, I was no, because like I definitely because because it's playing really low in the first part, like when the dude's spreading the ashes. Yeah, it is really quiet. And then when Scully and her mom are talking, and then when it cuts again, you get more focus on the music, and then like the music doesn't necessarily get louder, right? But like you can hear it better later in the scene, and the it's definitely in French. Okay, interesting. So, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, I'll check. Yeah. Okay, curious. Mm-hmm. It'd be, it would also be interesting in the fact that you didn't notice it was French just because you know French. <laughs> it would also be kind of interesting. Just It'd be like, funny if I oh, just yeah, like, I oh, yeah, that. I didn't even notice that it was in French, which, yeah. which could happen. My French teacher would be yeah. very proud. <laughs> yeah, but I wonder, if that's, I, wonder if it, I wonder if it was just a rights thing, like for the DVD release, they couldn't get them. Yeah. Since then, with Hulu, the rights have changed and they were able to use the real music. That would not like surprise that. me. Music rights are always a nightmare, so. Which is stupid. stupid it is. Stupid. Like I'm gonna, I'm not gonna not buy this music because I'm just gonna like play this part of the TV show over and over again instead of buying the music. Well, and it's hard when it's like a show that the music is really essential. Like Scrubs is like that on Hulu. Like a lot of the original music, they can't, they don't have the streaming rights, so they can't play it. And there's an entire, yeah, there's an entire scene in Duckman that is awesome that they had to cut out of the DVD because they couldn't get the rights to Aquarius. And it's part where like they're singing and they're singing like the Aquarius song, and he's like sing it corny and uh, and that whole part is missing if you watch the dvd version right because if they can't write yeah yeah and i totally cut you off when you're talking about scrubs oh no it's okay i was just saying the same thing like that's a show where the music is really like the fans really are connected with those songs and stuff and then you go to watch it on hulu and it's not the same song and it's really jarring because you remember that scene with the song and then you're like this oh but so on hulu on that one the songs are different yeah so i don't know so again i'll have to check to see okay well we will have an update (laughs) on the next episode Yes, very important information. We will let you know. Tune back in so you don't miss maybe this I'll important even, revelation. Uh, honestly, since we're recording <laughs> early, maybe I'll put a little news break in this episode. And kind of so update it, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Yes. Ooh, there's visionary encounters with the dead. Scully's like, nope. All right, here we go. It is in French. It is in French. Is it? It is in French. Okay. It's just really quiet, and so I didn't really notice that it's in French. Okay. Yeah, it's totally in French. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but yeah, but but then everything we really talk about, it's the it's the Bobby Darren song, and like I said, that that's someone trying to sound like bobby darren oh, yeah. that's not bobby darren it sounds like him i so, think that's why i didn't notice because like I, I didn't really pay attention to the words and it's just got the the melody but it's totally in french i can't believe i didn't okay. notice that and but see i can't go back in time and be like oh when i watched this was it a french version <laughs> or was it i mean everyone says it's the bobby darren version so i'm assuming it was the bobby darren version and now it's just a rights issue why they couldn't do it possibly yeah so, that's and so i'm weird. thinking they must have just commissioned someone to I don't understand why if they couldn't get the Bobby Darren version, they wouldn't just have someone do a version in English though. They had them do it in French <laughs> because her dad would not be, her dad would not be listening to the French version Le Maire when he finishes the Cuban blockade in like 1960, whatever. Right. right? So 
Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. That's so weird. Oh but that's gotta, it's gotta be a rights thing. It's gotta be. That's so funny. I totally didn't even notice because I just didn't even hear the word. Because you understand La Francaise. <laughs> I don't even know if that's and it so... or if I just didn't even pay attention to the lyrics because you know the lyrics, right? Like somewhere beyond these. So maybe I just didn't even yeah. notice because I was so focused on like the dialogue between Scully and her mom. I don't even know. Yeah. And so I was really trying to find out like what version that was and I could not find any version where like the the singer's voice matched or even like like the arrangement like the musical arrangement would always be too you know more jazzy less jazzy kind of thing like this is a nice like in-between version like it really matches the bobby darren version yeah but it's in french and that's like that's just off enough to not be bobby darren yeah that's so, so weird huh all well, right so someone news, call news, us news. and tell us someone official at the x-files just let us know yeah and then come on our show <laughs> I would say get your buddy uh, Mitch Fleggy. Mitch Fleggy. Fleggy. I don't know. There's a lot of letters in that name. Yeah, I don't know how to Mitch say Fleggy, it. Which I only know just because okay. like having been a fan, I've heard it a bunch of times. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard it. I've only read it. So um, yeah, get your buddy Mitch on the phone. Although he wasn't in the, he wasn't like a part of the X-Files at the time. No, so he, he might wasn't. not know. He might yeah. know though, but he's also not my friend and I don't know him. <laughs> okay. Oh well, that's gonna affect our having him on the show. Probably, <laughs> Great, there goes that plan. Well, I'll okay. see what I can do. I think he's on Twitter. Maybe if I just say nice things. <laughs> yeah, start liking all his posts, <laughs> like all his tweets, and just retweet him all the time. Be like, yeah. hey, he. There's like a whole fan club. Like everyone loves Mitch Pelegi, and like he has a whole like group of fans that like are super active on the internet even now. Like they're everywhere. Okay, which is awesome because like I mean he's great, but um. He has a lot of people already liking his tweets and <laughs> trying to like cozy up okay. to him. All right. Well, we're going to close down the news section of this podcast and be like, da, 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 da. that was in French. So, yes. So we then cut. So funeral's over and we cut to central prison in Raleigh, North Carolina. And we get a, so we're looking at Boggs and we get a scene of his hands. He's got kiss tattooed on one set of knuckles and kill tattooed on the other set of knuckles and Scully and Mulder are there interviewing him. And it's kind of like he's channeling someone or something, but like his character keeps changing a little bit during this. Yeah. And he's like, Dana, he calls him by their first name. He's all Dana Fox from here. We can return to the past and see the present or know the future. And Mulder's like, Whoa, what is here? Like, what are you talking about? Because Mulder's obviously the skeptical one. And so apparently they want a deal that if Boggs, and I'm not sure here if this is Boggs talking or if this is the demon talking, because he keeps like in this scene, and I didn't go back to double check, we're not sure which is his voice and which is not his voice when he's going back and forth between characters. So, but the gist of it is, is that there wants to be a deal that if he helps them find the kidnapped kids, then he gets life in prison, not the gas chamber in like five days. So Mulder's like, okay, we can see about this. So Mulder pulls out an evidence zip top baggy kind of thing, evidence bag, and pulls out a scrap of blue fabric and hands it to him. Bog starts rolling it in his hands. And then he's like, he starts like totally like, no, no, oh, pain, pain. And just like totally going into like character, I guess you could say. And he's basically like feeling what's going on with the boy. And he's tied with twine, really tight on his hands, and it's painful. And they're being whipped with a wire coat hanger. 
and they're in a dark, cold place, like maybe a condemned warehouse. And then he's like, there's a stone angel and a waterfall, but it's not, it's not, it's not water though, but it's like a waterfall, but it's not water. And there's a stone angel and then he's done. And Mulder walks over to him and he takes the scrap of fabric and says, I tore this off my New York Knicks t-shirt. It has nothing to do with the crime. Takes it and then he walks out and leaves. Right. So it was all the ruse. Which is a really, I think that's kind of cool that Mulder's like devised this test to see if like Boggs is full of it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was smart. So then Scully's like, okay. And she gets up to follow Mulder out and Boggs starts singing Beyond the Sea. And so Scully like stops. Not in French. No, he sings it in English. And Scully stops cold and she turns around and she actually sees her father instead of Boggs for a second. And then he turns back into Boggs and he's like, did you get my message, Starbuck? And Scully is super freaked out, which is totally fair. Like, you know, I would be freaked out too. And so she runs and she catches up with Mulder and he can clearly see that she is like wigged out right now. And he asks if Boggs said something to her, like threat, you know, he's like, what did he do? And she's like, no, it's, it's just my dad. And he's like, you should go home, Scully. Like, there's no reason to stay here. We've exposed Boggs as a fraud. I'll wait around. We'll see if we can get him to confess orchestrating the kidnapping. Confess, like, where the kids are. And you can just leave because there's no reason to hang out. And, and then... Go back to the motel. Yeah. Not go home because they're in oh, right. Carolina. But, but yeah. you can, like, go take some time, basically. And Boggs walks by with a guard who's escorting him back to his cell. And he's still singing Beyond the Sea. Yeah. I'd say the only thing in this scene that gets me, again, because I'm, you know... I'm the detail person, right? And I'm always going to be the person nitpicking stuff. Is that, I mean, I don't hang out with a lot of serial killers. And these are obviously supposed to be like stick and poke tattoos that he's got on his knuckles. But I've never seen someone with like knuckle or finger tattoos where they're meant to be read by the person who has them. Like his are meant, like if he has his hands on his thighs, he can read them. Right. They're facing him. So to me, like if you put his fists out, they'd be upside down backwards. I've always seen them where, like, if I show you my fist, you you can read it, right? Right. Whereas his are like the whole like they're like the ambulance in the rearview mirror kind of thing. Huh. So maybe it's because he's going to sneak up behind you and get you. So you <laughs> see him in the mirror. I don't know, but yeah. But I mean, if he's giving himself tattoos, you know, maybe you'd be like, "Oops, yeah, did it backwards," because I was looking at it. So I don't know. <laughs> but I've never seen them with tattoos going that direction. But then again, I don't hang out with a lot of serial killers. Yeah, I would hope not. Yeah, that I know of. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Do you? <laughs> Yeah, maybe I do. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I pretty much only hang out with my wife. So, I mean, but who knows? She's gone for long periods of time and says she's looking. So. <laughs> she's a know. cat lover. She's innocent of all <laughs> things. <laughs> That's how that works. <laughs> Keep showing up all this fancy cat food. I'm not sure where she's getting it from. <laughs> so Scully's driving and she's kind of, you know, she's obviously in her own head. And it's a stoplight, so she's sitting there, and she's kind of looking around. Because obviously, you know, she's probably never been in Raleigh, North Carolina. So she's kind of looking around, and she sees a casino sign. And the sign for it is actually like a waterfall. And she's kind of like, what? And then then she kind of looks on this side of the street, and there's like a stone angel. So we've got a stone angel and a waterfall that's not water. So then, like, someone hawks a horn because she's been looking at that, and I guess the light turned green. So she, like, boom, she turns, and she parks, pulls in this alley, and sees that, like, that building has been condemned, like a warehouse. Hmm. So then she, like, just goes inside this abandoned warehouse, 
by herself with a flashlight and she finds candles on the ground and she finds a bracelet on the ground and then she sees a coat hanger and so she's looking pretty weirded out but like she goes in there with like no backup i know like just like what are you doing like there's possibly a serial killer in this place and you're just gonna walk in yeah it's not the most responsible i think she's thinking what i what i assume and this is just me trying to get into the character's head is that she's probably thinking okay this is probably nothing it's probably a coincidence box is full of it and then she goes in there and sees that stuff so she doesn't want to call for backup because like what's she gonna say oh yeah no i saw the waterfall and the thing that the fake psychic said so yeah yeah but you're right like it's irresponsible and like she's just i mean she's got a gun but that's not gonna be enough if like you never know yeah and she finds the bracelet which we heard Mulder say that he had ID, like he had described the bracelet to a T. So he must have described it and like the family agreed, like, yeah, that's her bracelet. They yes. didn't find the bracelet till now. Right. I so. think they said that the family identified like the description or whatever. Okay. Yeah. So then we cut to the hotel and Scully's in the hotel room and she's just kind of staring at an empty chair and kind of picturing her father, but obviously he's not there. And Mulder knocks on the door and he tells her that Holly's family did ID the bracelet that Scully found in the warehouse. So it is the same one. And Scully admits to him that she basically lied to the police about how she found the warehouse. And she actually used Boggs' instructions, like the fake waterfall, the angel. And Mulder's pretty upset about it. He's like, you know, it could have been a setup. Boggs could have been trying to get us killed like you shouldn't have done that and then he's like why did you and then he gets even more angry like he gets pretty worked up and he's like and why did you lie on your police report and she's like you know i thought it would be better under the circumstances because like you're trying to prove that this guy's a fraud she doesn't say that part but it's kind of implied and then Mulder gets really mad and he's like no you just didn't want to go on the record saying you believed in boggs they expect that of spooky Mulder, but not dana scully and so like which, I mean, fair. I get it. Like, you know. Well, and also, considering Scully's, like, desire for, like, protocol and doing things properly. Like, like she lied on a police report. Yeah, that's definitely out of character for and her. And she thought that was a, she thought that was a good idea. Right. And then so. Mulder's kind of, like, he kind of cools down a little. And he's like, why now? Like, why this case? And then he's, like, asking if it has to do with their father. And he's like, you know, if his death is clouding your judgment or whatever, you need to back away because you could get hurt or you could get killed. And she's upset and she's like, I love my job. Like, my job is what I have. And he's like, you need to, you know, like, don't open yourself up to possibilities unless they're true. Like, basically, don't buy into Boggs' crap just because you want to buy into something. So this scene was good. I I liked the range of emotion. And I really just love that this whole plot, like, flips the script. Like, it gives Mulder a really good reason to doubt something because, like, he obviously does believe in psychics. He just thinks Boggs is full of crap and orchestrating this whole thing. And I also like that it puts Scully in a position where she really wants to believe in something. And so I think it's kind of a cool twist on the normal formula. Yeah. I do find it odd that she didn't like, she doesn't like tell Mulder what's going on. Well, she does. Well, yeah, you're right. She doesn't No, tell, she doesn't. Right. She doesn't she tell doesn't. him anything. Like when he asked about it as their father, she like, she's been kind of like, like that, I'm going to not lie to you, but not tell you the truth right, kind of thing yeah. where she'll be like, yeah, it is kind of, have to, it is kind of, you know, my father, like, you know, that's why I'm kind of upset, but not that like, 
it's my father's death and the fact that this guy has like called me by my father's like name you know that he uses for me and was singing it like like he does she she brings that up later at the very end of the episode when she's trying to right not to spoiler like rationalize what's going on but like here it's like you think that maybe she would like admit to Mulder like why she did it right she doesn't she she doesn't but i think he kind of puts the pieces together a little because i think that's why he's like you know don't open yourself up to possibilities that aren't true like i think he's kind of i mean because it's not that hard to connect those dots like someone just died and now there's a psychic that she's suddenly believing like it's not that hard of a connection but you're right she doesn't tell him and it is kind of surprising yeah so then we cut to a scene of scully sitting in like a surveillance office something like that um it's actually we find out later it's actually in the prison yeah so it's like the prison security office and Mulder walks in with a newspaper and he flips it to her and i was like what do you think and she looks at it and it says that the missing teens have been found and she's like great but why like awesome well, how did how come they haven't told us right like, how come we haven't heard about this right she's like this is great news but how come like why am i finding out about it in the newspaper and he's like well because this is fake like we had them make this up just for us like six people know this was made and we're gonna put it boggs gets phone privileges weekly and we're gonna give him his daily paper right before he gets phone privileges and hopefully he'll see this and then he'll call his accomplice to find out what happened because he'll see the paper it'll say they're they were found and then he'll be like what happened why how did they get loose what did you, you know or find out if his accomplice have been caught whatever mm-hmm. so the guard delivers the paper to boggs and then he's two hours later he's walked into the phone area they're watching on surveillance cameras and they're like okay do it so they start taping the call you know trace it and then boggs grabs the phone and he looks up at the camera and then we hear a phone ringing in the in the room they're in. And Mulder's like, hey, tur- turn that phone off. Turn that phone off. Turn that phone off. And Scully's like, uh, Mulder, I think that's your phone. <laughs> so Mulder goes and gets his phone. I think it's in his coat. And he pulls it out. And he's like, hello. And it turns out it's Boggs. So somehow Boggs has his number as well. I know. Kind of weird. <laughs> but, so, weird. <laughs> so Boggs is like, why won't you believe me? Scully believes me. Why won't you, Mulder? And he's like, we both believe that you know where the kids are at. And that, you know, so anyway, Scully says, even if it is a setup, they probably need to follow up on it because they only have three days left. Right. So even if like it is a scam and he's just doing this to like try and get out of the death sentence, if he knows what's going on, he's the only one who knows what's going on. And so no matter what, whether it's a scam or it is real psychic stuff, they need to follow up because that's the only chance these kids have. Right. He's basically their only lead. So they basically have to listen regardless which is not a fun position to be in no one loves things to hinge on a serial killer no nope. <laughs> generally so then they kind of interview boggs they like cut to where they're interviewing him and boggs describes the kidnapper as small thin late 20s he says he has cold eyes and a skull earring and of course he's pretending to get all this like through psychic transmission yeah i don't know he just says a skull and then he says like gray or silver and then they flash to like a skull earring. Right. I don't know that he says skull earring. He probably but. doesn't, but he does. He mentions a skull. Yeah. And then it does cut to images of the kidnapper and the kids. And I think I was trying to, I think that this is just like showing us their, the kid's perspective. So it's not necessarily that Boggs can see this. I think that's left pretty ambiguous, but I was going to ask you if you thought that. I, I think we'll get into that okay. later. Cause I have, some, I have some questions about 
too about like what okay. exactly is going on with his like psychic abilities if he has them so yeah we can we can, okay. we can we'll we'll put a pin in that okay pin. A, a toryism yes. yeah i like putting pins in things we can come back uh so then it cuts dolls. <laughs> well yeah i didn't even think of that oh dear that has some implications so then it cuts the images of the kidnapper and the kids and the boy gets whipped with the wire again and we hear Boggs talking and Boggs is there like, you know, or like it cuts back. So it kind of cuts back and forth. Yeah. They're going back and forth. As he's talking, I think they keep cutting back to the scenes of right. the kids and the, yeah. And Boggs says that they're in a small boathouse on Lake Jordan. And then he's like, don't go near the white cross or your blood will spill on it. So then we cut to the small boathouse. Surprise, surprise. Oh my gosh. And we see the dude torturing the kids and then boom, FBI they show up scully's got like her full like fbi uniform on with like fbi jacket and pants and all that kind of stuff she's all geared up and they're sweeping the area and they rush in and one of the kids is tied up though the girl and then the guy's gone and so they're like sweep the docks and so then Mulder sees something moving under a tarp on a boat and he looks and then shot flies out from the boat hits Mulder. Mulder goes down Scully runs over and calls it. There's an officer down, and the bolt just goes, goes away. And then she looks up and sees a white cross, and there's blood on it. Ooh. So somehow Mulder's blood shot up onto that. <laughs> actually, not a white cross. It's actually like a like a mast and a crossbeam for a sail of a boat, right? And like I, the thing, but it looks like, but it, it it forms a white cross, right? And it looks like it there's has. blood, but I think it's rust. Is it? I thought it was actually blood because oh. it is kind of spattery, but. I, yeah, and it's like wood. It's like painted wood. So yeah. I don't know that would rust. It's true. I think it's supposed to be blood. And we find out he was shot like in the femoral artery. Oh, okay. So, so it could have, so it could have splattered. Yeah. Which I'm also thinking like, I hope they put like, you know, like a, what do you call that? Like a, when you tie things off. A tourniquet. A tourniquet because if he got shot in the femoral artery, unless they like tied that off, he's going to be dead by the time he gets to the doctor. Yeah. But, that's a bad place to be shot. Yeah, so you're right. It probably is blood. Oh, man, I missed that. I thought it was rust. I kind of glanced at it, though, and I was like, yeah. So then Mulder is wheeled into the ER, and he's on a gurney, and Scully hangs out for a minute and watches the doctors treat him. And then it cuts to a little later, and they're in a hospital, or they're probably in the same hospital, and Scully is in the room when an FBI agent is showing Holly, like, mug shots of suspects. And she kind of identifies one by, like, looking away, and so he hands the photo to Scully and then they're in another room, presumably away from Holly. And he's like, yeah, this is Lucas Jackson Henry. He's 28 and he's been arrested for narcotics and sexual assault, but nothing big. And I was like, are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> sexual well, assault. He served, well, he served, well, he served time for sexual assault right. and narcotics. He wasn't just arrested. He actually served time for it. Right. But the fact that he's like, oh, but that's nothing big. And I'm like, sexual assault is definitely something big. So whatever, Mr. Yeah, FBI. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, accurate portrayal of law enforcement. True, but, true. Yeah. So um, apparently Lucas Henry also witnessed an auto accident that killed his high school sweetheart and decapitated his mother. So that had to be a pretty vile accident. And I guess the anniversary of that accident is in three days. And that's the day that they think he'll probably kill Jim and obviously would have killed Holly if he still had her. And so the agent also tells Scully that they think Boggs had a partner for his last five murders that he committed. And they believe that partner was Lucas Henry. They just couldn't prove it in court. Yeah. So Scully shows up at the prison. 
and she goes to visit Boggs. And she's pretty pissed. Oh, yeah. She yells at him, says the whole thing was a setup, and that if Mulder dies because of it, nothing is going to stop her from being the one who pulls the switch and gasses him. And she calls him a son of a bitch. Like, I'll be the one who pulls the switch and gasses you to death, you son of a bitch. Yeah. So she is not happy. And Boggs is like, you're the one who believed in me because he has like a little accent kind of thing going on, depending on what voice he's using. And so she's argues with him. He's like, well, maybe you won't believe me, but maybe you'll believe yourself. So then he starts playing with his hair and he starts talking like a little girl kind of. And he tells a story about like, and he's using first person. Like I remember when I, my parents had gone to bed and I snuck down and got my mom's cigarettes. And I was so scared because it, like cigarettes were gross, but it was so thrilling because like I wasn't supposed to do it. And this is apparently supposed to be Scully. Yes. Because she smokes cigarettes on the porch. Which the voice he uses for the girl sounds like someone who's like younger than 14. But anyway, you know, details. <laughs> but Scully is like visibly like disturbed by him telling the story. But then it's like, that could have been a moment from any kid's life. And she says she'll believe him when she lets him talk to him. And the him she's talking about, obviously, is her father, right? right? And so, and she's like crying at this point, actually. She's like, I'll believe you when you let me talk to him kind of thing. Like, you know choking up and so then bog shifts and he says starbuck but then he starts like fighting it and he like (laughs) like he's exercising a demon or something and then it's like he comes back and is like you can talk to him when i get my deal like no one talks to anybody anymore until i get my deal that's how it works so i'd say this is a very i think this was a very good scene oh yeah him doing the little like you know, like the little, the whole, like, I say exorcism kind of thing, but like the whole, like, channeling stuff. I think he did a really good job. And we haven't mentioned, but this is the person playing Boggs is the actor who played Billy in One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. Yes. So if you haven't seen One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, he's the young kid whose mother, like, is really kind of, I don't know what the word you want to say, basically, like, henpecks him to death, basically. And he ends up, spoiler, tries to kill himself at the end and everything. But, so, he also apparently is the voice of Chucky in all the Chucky movies, except for the most recent one that Mark Hamill took over. Yeah. I did not I did not know that. Yeah, so. looked him up on IMDb, because he does look really familiar, obviously from the X-Files. Like, I have trading cards with this guy's face on it, so obviously he's oh. familiar to me. But. Yeah. And then, and then I, he was in Deadwood too. When I said that, Aaron was like, "Oh!" And I said, "I guess he plays Doc, somebody or the Doc in Deadwood." And she was like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah." Yeah. So, I haven't seen Deadwood. I've been meaning to, but I never have. I haven't either. But yeah, I saw that he had like a big role on that show too. Yeah. But anyway, so he's like, you know, no one's gonna talk to anybody until I get my deal. And he's like, "Don't estimate my fear of dying." So he explains that when he went to the chair the first time, that something happened. And he knows now that when he when he dies, his own personal hell is going back to that chair again and again and again, because that's the thing he fears most in life. So we get some flashbacks of like the first time he ever talked to a minister. And so this is like the flashback of when he was put in the chair the first time and he gets his last meal. And like the family that he killed is like standing there watching him eat his last meal. And then like all the other people that he killed or like lying in the hallway as he's walking through. And he talks about how like he felt all of their fear. And that was just one small taste of the hell that he's going to have for the rest of, you know, for eternity after he actually dies. And that when he, they strapped him in that chair that time, he felt like he'd already died and he felt all these spirits inhabit him. And it's like, it's cold and dark. 
And he's like, and Mulder's looking in on it right now. And Scully's like, no, it might be a cold, dark place for you because you're evil, but it's not a cold place for Mulder and it's not a cold place for my father. And then he repeats again that no one speaks until he gets a deal. And Scully's like, I don't believe you. Like, guard, let me out of here. And he doesn't buy it. And he says that no info's coming until he gets a deal. So he is adamant. And so is Scully. Yeah. And I really love pissed off Scully, by the way. Like, <laughs> she's amazing. And I love her. I love her so much. Like, she's so angry. And I just love that, like, I don't know, maybe because you don't, like, see women get to be angry on TV like that as often. Like, she's just righteously. It's so great. I love it. I love all her emotions, though. Like, she goes through so many in this whole episode, and, like, she just does such a great job. Jillian Anderson is a great actress. And throwing back to Shadows, obviously, because we were both caught off guard when um, What's-His-Face called Lauren a bitch yeah. in that episode. And we were like, whoa, could they actually tell? So apparently bitch is okay, like, after 9 o'clock on television in 1993. Okay. <laughs> because Scully says son of a bitch, so I'm guessing it must be okay. So, and then... I said we were going to talk about this. I thought it was actually going to be later, but apparently it's right now. You had talked about like what I thought about, you know, him, like what's he seeing when he's doing his channeling stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of not sure because part of me is like, well, how is he channeling a 14 year old, like not dead Scully? Right. And like his psychic powers are all over the place. He's got like, like in this episode alone, we're going to have spirit channeling. We've got seeing spirits. We got psychometry, which is like the feeling like, you know, when you actually get like materials or tokens and you get a psychic feeling from that. So we supposedly were getting that when he got the cloth from Mulder. Right. We're, we're getting remote viewing. We're getting clairvoyance because he knows what's going to happen. We're getting past knowledge because he knows like Scully's past. It's like he's kind of got like a smorgasbord of like psychic abilities. Right. And so I'm not sure like when he's seeing the stuff with them. I don't know if that's like remote viewing or if that's like him, like getting a link with the kids or what I have no idea what's going on. Or he's full of it and we're just seeing. Yeah. Or he's full of it. Yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah. So it's like, like if, 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 if we're going to assume he does have powers, he's got like all of them. Oh yeah. No, he's got like every psychic power you could have. If he wasn't a serial killer, and on death row, he could have a very lucrative career, like, as a psychic, because he could literally do everything. Like, his show would be yeah. all the things. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very, yeah. And I don't know if that's just a flaw of, like, it's psychic ability. We'll just, you know, or if it's just, yeah. I have no or idea. if it's supposed to be that he's just full of crap, so he just has them all because he has none of them. Yeah, so it's, it's a little <laughs> bit like with it's a little bit like with this the pyrokinesis in the last episode with fire, right? Like, what exactly is his power? Because like he can't, he doesn't seem to be able to control fire, but he does seem to be able to like ignite fire without any sort of ignition, which is not really pyrokinetic. That's I don't know what that actually is, but I don't yeah, know so. But, yeah. And he can like burn for a while, but then uh, then he can't anymore. So who knows? Yeah. So yeah. So I think like the whole like the whole like powers are kind of loosely defined for sure. X Files so far. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty vague. Like, well, here's all the psychic stuff. Let's just throw it. Yeah. In. Pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't like whipped out tarot cards or anything. Not yet. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you probably can't get access to them. Probably not. So, yeah. <clears throat> So then the prison warden tells Scully that no one's making a deal with Boggs. Like, it's not happening. He's, and you know, it's funny because this has actually happened in real life. Like, people have tried to, like, get serial killers, like, a longer stay, mostly so they can find information about their victims. 
and it almost always gets shut down. So that's kind of realistic. And she goes to see Mulder in the hospital. He's looking rough, but he's okay. Like he's, he's awake, he's speaking and he's, you know, conscious. So that's a, that's a good sign. And she gives him an update and Mulder basically urges her not to believe Boggs. She says that Boggs is probably orchestrating this and maybe he wants to make Scully his last victim. Maybe that's like his ultimate plan. And Scully's kind of like, well, what if there's another explanation? And he's like, don't buy into it, Scully. Don't buy into it. And she basically ignores him. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because, you know. We're definitely flipping the script here because usually Mulder's the one who ignores Scully's advice. (laughs) And so now Scully's ignoring Mulder's advice. So she goes to see Boggs again. And this time she lies to him. And she's like, you've got your deal. You're, you're, You're good. So now you have to tell us where Henry and Jim are. And Boggs is kind of relieved and then he closes his eyes and does like the channeling thing and he tells scully that he sees circles and they're like barrels but bigger no they're like huge vats and it's like a condemned factory and then he realizes it's the blue devil brewery which i guess has closed down so it's like an old closed down brewery and then scully starts to say look if you were really and he cuts her off and he's like i know there's no deal and I know that you tried to get me a deal and it didn't work. And then he's like, don't follow the blue devil or something. Avoid the devil. Don't follow the devil. Which I kind of love that like Scully is willing to just go in there and lie to do what she has to. But like, I also kind of love that he calls her on it. I don't know. It was good. Well, I did notice that like when she said like, she's not, she won't look at him when she says like, you got your deal. Right. And then late, like she won't look at him. So like she, I mean, maybe he he could be reading her. Yeah. And that she's oh, absolutely. She that. <laughs> so I did. So apparently, so behind the scenes action on this episode a lot. Um, I color coded one of my notes wrong. And so I missed something from the previous scene that I wanted to mention. And I actually didn't realize until that scene where he's talking with her and says like, you know, if I don't get my deal, you know, that kid's going to die. I actually did not realize until that scene that the killer had escaped with the kid. I thought like they found both the kids and they were just trying to find the killer and they just happened to only be showing the photos to the girl. I didn't realize he had left with the guy. Cause I'm like the dude just like grabbed the dude and like huffed it and like ran across the docks and put the dude in the boat and took off with like people chasing him. That seems kind of crazy, but I, yeah, until this moment, until this moment in the episode when he mentions like, you know, that kid's dead. If you don't get my deal, cause I'm not going to talk to you. I didn't realize that he had actually ran off with the kid. I thought they had found both the guy and the girl. Okay. And we're just now we're just now trying to find the killer. See, and I originally couldn't tell which one they found until we see the girl in the hospital. Like I couldn't tell which one was still there, but I did figure out that he had taken one of them. Yeah, and she is messed up oh, yeah. in the hospital too. Yeah. She has like a black so, eye and she's yeah, like it is a major well, not even just black, but like just like yeah, it's like all festered and Yeah. Just, yeah. Oh, poor girl. It's pretty gross. Yeah. So I have a question for you because you asked me something about like when you asked me about like what you thought what I thought of his powers, like what he was doing. And then we've kind of discussed that now. I have a question for you. So he says like, like as she's walking away, he's like, Scully, avoid the devil. Don't follow him into that devil. Leave that to me. So that leave that to me part. I'm wondering what he meant by that. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe we'll wait till later to talk about that. Maybe we can come back to that. But I, I mean, think he mean well, my interpretation, just thinking about it, is that like he knows he's gonna die in like a couple days, so like he'll follow the devil into hell, but she shouldn't, so she should, you know, not die. Okay. 
Okay. <laughs> That's what I would take from that, but okay. I don't know. Well, because based on what happens, right? It, I, I started to think about it. Like I went back and looked at it because I, I wanted that quote. And then after, after I was looking at that quote, I was like, oh, wait, because I realized like that last part, I hadn't remembered that last part where he says, like, don't follow him into the devil, leave that to me. And it's almost like, is he the, like, is he going to make what happens happen? Ooh. Is that what, he, is that what he's trying to say? Maybe. Like, don't, like, I've got a plan. I'm going to help you guys out. Don't, don't be around him when this happens because it might be bad for you. Ooh. Like, I'm kind of like, is that what he's saying? Or is he saying like, what you know, like what you would think, like, I'm going to be, I'll be with the devil. So that's my job. Let me go to the devil because I'm going to die and go to hell. Right. And so it's like, but what does he, afterwards, I'm like, whoa, what is, what did he mean by that? Especially since we're like, we don't know what kind of powers he has, right? If he has powers, because he has like all the powers. Or maybe like he, like if your interpretation, like that interpretation is right, maybe he means that he'll call and like, tell the guy to run or something i don't know and like leave a kid although obviously that doesn't happen so i don't know no. yeah that's interesting though yeah but i mean like was he saying like i'm gonna i'll t- i'll take care of the dude don't worry about it i got i got this yeah i got your back scully maybe Woo. That's yeah weird i didn't think of it that way yeah So then we cut to the dude who is uh, Lucas Henry. What was his middle name? Lucas Jackson. Lucas, Lucas Jackson Lucas, Henry. Lucas Jackson Henry. Okay, screw that. We'll just say Lucas. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was like, no. <laughs> so then we cut to Lucas Henry, and he's like freaking out. He's got he's got like a little hand axe, and he's like throwing a tantrum, and like almost like he's arguing with himself, sort of, but also like yelling and like smacking the axe on random things, and just like. Bleh! And just kind of being a weirdo, right? And so we then we cut to Jim, and Jim's tied up, and he's like laying on his chest, and he's tied to a beam. And then Henry like comes up, and what we see now is like he's going to decapitate Jim. Right. So he brings a very small axe to be decapitating someone. So it's not going to be a nice clean swipe. It's going to be gross. Yeah. Right? Oh, he's gonna for have to, sure. Like, he's going to have to take a few of these to get the kid's head off, which is going to be nasty, right? And then as he got his Axe in the air, boom, FBI jumps in. Scully's all decked out in her FBI coat and everything again. She's like, drop your weapon. And so he kind of puts it down, and then he raises it back up, and boom, Scully puts a bullet in him, shoots him in the arm, and then he runs. And then they're chasing him, and he's hiding behind a doorway, and he smacks one of the agents with, like, a big old, like, five-gallon, like, a metal bucket or something. And they all run after him. And then he's running across, like, a little landing, and on the wall is a big mural of a blue devil so probably like the logo of the brewery or whatever it was right and scully's like blue devil and the guy runs across the landing and he stops because she's like freeze and he stops to look at her and then like oh and like the floor breaks away and he crashes through the landing and he we don't know if he's dead or not but he's out right like fell like at least one or two stories and he's like laying on the ground oh and then other agents run in like oh get down there get find him so yeah yeah so she didn't follow him to the blue devil no she did not so did boggs make the floor break away and make him fall or was it just precognition he knew it was gonna happen spooky spooky it was howard graves (laughs) 
was oh, it was Howard Graves checking Scully. <laughs> oh man, you stole my thunder. Oh. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't. I think that was just Howard old Graves. and wrong. <laughs> yeah, Howard Graves. I I don't think it was Howard Graves though because we didn't see any like blurry. Right, shit. there was no white blur. <laughs> no, it was just yeah. the rotten wood in the floor. I think. Okay. It's like one of those catwalks between like the beer vats, and it just like gave way. Yeah, and it gave way. Yeah, because we he's like because he like stops to look at her, and then we cut and we see his foot like, and he's like. Oh no! And then, yeah. <laughs> and then we look, and then we get the scene of like from up above, like through the hole in the floor, and he's like, "Oh, oh laying there." <laughs> so he's either dead or unconscious. We don't know. We actually never find out. We don't. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't know if he's dead or if he just was unconscious and he's getting arrested. So we never know. I have to say though, so Scully shoots him in like the right arm or maybe like the upper shoulder. But anyway, she shoots because he like she shoots him, and he's like, "Oh!" And he drops his axe and he like, grabs his shoulder. Yes. And then we get a scene of him running and he's running and he's like stumbling, like he's about to fall over and he's like using the wall to hold himself up. He's stumbling so bad. But then right after that, he like flings a five gallon like metal bucket at somebody using both arms. Right. And then he's running down another hallway with a limp and he's holding his left hip. And then we get to another scene and he's running and he's limping and he's holding his right thigh. And I'm like, (laughs) did we miss some bullets? What this guy, what's going on? So, yeah. I mean, you would think at least as an actor, you would remember where you were supposed to have been shot. I don't know. Maybe they kept like, do it this way so we can see it, but who knows? Yeah, but I was like, (laughs) you got shot in the shoulder, hip, other late. I don't know where he got shot. But yeah, at first he's like, like, he's going to fall over. He's running so stumbly, but then like, he's got the strength to like fling a metal bucket at somebody and (laughs) keep running. And then he's like holding his hip and then he's holding his thigh. And then, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That is a little weird. Cause like I get adrenaline, but also like, I don't know how much you can actually do. Yeah. Scully put some more bullets in and we weren't aware of who knows. I have no idea. I don't know. So then Scully goes back to Boggs's cell and he's like, Oh, if you come to say goodbye, cause obviously he's only got a couple days left and Scully's like, she says that she doesn't think he orchestrated the kidnapping because Henry would have known to avoid that bridge near the Blue Devil. Like, she warned Scully about it, so Henry would have known because he would have gotten that information from Henry, basically. And so she's like, you saved Jim Summer's life, and you saved my life. And Boggs tells her that if she's come for her father's message, she can get it, but she has to, like, witness his execution and like he'll tell her right before like right after he gets put in the chamber like he'll tell her and so scully leaves yeah i don't actually get the logic of like you saved my life because he would have known like if she was chasing him he would have to cross the bridge for her to chase him across the bridge right and if the bridge was going to collapse he was going to fall through it and if he like went some other way why would she go across like why would she go across the bridge if he didn't right so like i don't understand the logic of like you saved my life because like it was gonna collapse no matter what so yeah i mean would she have you know maybe she could have like i guess if she were closer behind him or something she could have fallen yeah it just seems that just seems weird like it was gonna yeah yeah the whole logic of like you saved my life you yeah i don't get it no but he did save the kid's life at least so whether he saved it because he knew where they were or he got a psychic transmission, they at least were able to find him. So Yeah. I do have to say the killer dude, this uh Lucas Henry, he does look like he's in his like late twenties. 
he is not skinny. No, not really. He's he's pretty fit. He's a pretty fit dude. So I don't know what counts as skinny. I mean, he's not fat because he's like in good shape. I mean, he's got like kind of broad shoulders and, you know, but anyway. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's trying to keep it vague. So <laughs> it's on. the key to being a quote unquote psychic is just keep it vague. Yeah, keep it vague. <laughs> yeah. So Boggs has brought his last meal and they set it down in front of him and he turns his back and he looks and there's the family in black and white staring at him. He's like, oh, and then they're walking him down the hallway and all the ghosts of everyone he's killed is walking down and he tries to like not, you know, and they're like, nope, keep going forward. So then he's like, got him strapped in the chair. And I never, I never thought about the fact that they were strapped in the chair when they're gassing you too. I think when you think about being strapped in a chair, you always think about electrocution. Right. But, yeah. So they strap him in the chair for the gassing. And then like, like almost like, it's almost like Star Wars or something like this big metal door, like slides away. And there's like the, you know, like the priest giving him the last rites and like the warden's there. And he's asked, they ask him if he wants to make a statement and he sees that Scully is not there. Like there's an empty spot to this one side. But then like some other dude comes and fills it in. I think actually, I think it's actually the FBI agent that was talking to Scully. I think. Okay. But I could be wrong. It looks familiar. I know it's like some white dude in a suit with dark hair. Yeah, I don't know. exactly. Yeah. So, but Scully is specifically Scully is not there. And so he doesn't want to make a statement and they flip the switch and the stuff goes into the pan and it makes all the gas. And we assume he's being gassed and he's going to die right so that's the end for Boggs and then Scully's at the hospital Mulder's still in the hospital bed and she's basically like at this point she's kind of coming around and she's like you know if if Boggs knew that I was your partner which he would have been able to find out he would have found out everything about her like and he would have been able to find out about her father's death and he would have been able to find out that Beyond the Sea was, like, played at her parents' wedding. And, like, all that stuff is pretty easy to figure out if he's, like, researching Scully. And then she's, like, in visions of deceased loved ones or common psychological phenomenon. So that's pretty common. So clearly at this point, Scully has told him the entire story. Right. Now. Now she has. Now she has. She didn't before. Yeah. And so at this point, Mulder's like, well, you know, after everything we've seen... Why can't you believe? Which is a little weird because, like, yeah, he the whole episode has been telling her, "Don't believe in this guy." And I, I think it's supposed to be a question in general. Like, she finally believed in something, and now she's talking herself back out of it. And so I think it's supposed to be a general question, but it does come off kind of weird because we haven't seen their conversation before, where like Scully tells him everything. Yeah, because suddenly he's all believey, right? And he's almost like accusatory of like, "What's wrong with you? Why can't you believe? You've seen it. Why? What? Why can't you believe this now? What's wrong with you?" It's almost like he's yeah, he's very like. It comes on a little strong, given that his last position was "Don't believe." Don't yeah, believe. don't believe this guy. He's obviously a fraud. Don't listen to but a thing he says. I think it is supposed yeah. to be in general, but it is a little weird, and it does come off a little strong. Yeah, I think whether it's maybe. In, you know, I think maybe it was badly written. The scene maybe have been badly written, or maybe it was badly acted. I don't know. I don't but yeah, know either. Some, something in this scene does not come out. Yeah, it does, it's there's it does, a little bit of a disconnect. Fit. Yeah, because of what everything we've seen up until now, and then all of a sudden Mulder's like the opposite, which is, I mean, it's fine. You can change, but it's a little strong. Like if you were a little weaker about it. Yeah, like, I think I think it's the almost. I think it's his. Like I said, he's got like a very accusatory tone about right. it. Right. And I think and I think that's what comes off weird. Yeah, I think you're right. If it had been like. 
well, with all the stuff you've told me, how come you can't believe? Like, you know, like more of like that, like, like explain to me why you don't believe with all this stuff. Right. Right. Because he obviously didn't believe. So like, explain to me why, like with all the stuff you just told me, like, right. Why wouldn't you believe this? Why wouldn't you believe? But he just comes like, he's like berating her almost like, (laughs) what's wrong with you? Why can't you, you saw all this stuff and you still won't believe it. What? Yeah. Yeah. So no, I think you're totally right. I think if it had been delivered differently, it would have worked better. But she basically says she's afraid to believe. And she's like sitting on the bed, like kind of next to him. And he's like, why couldn't you at least face that fear to find out what your father wanted to tell you? So you could go to like Boggs and find out. And Scully's like, I do know. And Mulder's like, how? And she's like, he was my father. And so that's kind of like, she doesn't need this guy to tell her. Like she already knows. So, and that's the end. Yeah. It's interesting though, because so we've, we've got, we've got like the nice, we've got like a nice little phraseology for each character. Now we've got, cause Mulder wants to believe. Right. And Scully is afraid to believe. Yes. Which is, which is almost, which is just another way of saying like wants to believe, but at the same time realizes like what believing actually means. Cause if you believe, then you're like upturning a whole framework of, like understanding how the world works right so yeah and that can be a very scary thing so yeah i thought that was good i did think the molar being aggressive was weird but otherwise the end works very well yeah yeah and that's why like to come back to the thing where her dad her mom's like he was your father and like it's kind of vague and like and then we get to the end and scully's like he was my father i thought that was like a good callback and that's why it's not an answer but it's not an answer but i thought that that worked because like yeah, it was good. <laughs> so, I really love this episode. I think it's great because, like, I think there aren't really good stories about grief. There, there, or there are, but they're hard to find and they're few and far between. And I thought this was a really good take on that, like how it makes Scully really want to believe and like desperate for that connection. And then, like, at the end, she realizes she doesn't need some psychic because she loved her father. Her father loved her, and she doesn't need that to like tell her what he would have said. Like, she already knows. So, yeah, I thought that was good. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure I go for that, but okay. Totally. Yeah. Just, I mean, just based on what we see of her father, I'm not sure that I would necessarily jump to that conclusion, but. Well, I think that's what it's trying to say anyway. <laughs> yeah. 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 But apparently Chris Carter and Julian Anderson both love this episode. Chris Carter says it's his favorite of season one. So yeah, and Julian Anderson loved it because Scully got to show such a big range of emotion. Yeah. So and I thought, I mean, I think she did amazing in this whole episode. Like every time, like I think her face is super on point and like she just No, she does she does show like all the like that's like the scene where she's like more like that that heavy scene with her in bogs when she's like accusatory and you know, I'm gonna be the one who's gonna kill you, you son of a bitch, and all that kind of stuff. And then she like I said, like later she's like in tears basically like you know, I'll believe you when you let me talk to him, and that kind of thing. And so, like, she gets a full a full range there. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. Yeah, she really yeah. does. She does a good job. Yeah, there's definitely. I mean, it was really weird in the in the in, in the opening scene. It was a little it was a little weird because she's definitely got that, and it, it kind of goes back to that thing in the first episode too, which I always thought was slightly off, where she's talking about like she's like a grown woman, basically like almost thirty, and she's talking about like to her boss about how her parents thought it was weird that she, you know were kind of disappointed or however she phrased it that she became an FBI agent. And I'm like, you're like a adult. 
don't be talking about your parents with your boss. But you can definitely see that that's obviously something that is important to her because we get that in the first scene of that definitely like looking for approval and not kind of getting it. And like the, maybe the father doesn't know how to say things as well. Which right. is why the mother's kind of like, Hey, say something to her. And he'd like kind of fumbly, like, how was your job? Yeah. And then it's like, okay, good. All right. Bye. And then like, yeah. So, yeah, I think that was the point was that like, he's not good at communicating those feelings. And so, <laughs> yeah. And apparently he's military. Yes. Right. We find out because the whole like, and that must be where the Ahab thing comes from because he's a captain. So he's probably like, I guess I'm guessing like in the Navy or something. Right. Right. So anyhow, do we want, do we have anything else we want to talk about or yeah. we're going to go into our ratings? So um, just a little fun fact. <laughs> Luth- fun facts about serial killers. <laughs> so Luther Lee Boggs and Lucas Henry were both kind of named in part for Henry Lee Lucas who especially I think in the nineties was a really infamous serial killer. And he had like, I can't even remember how many people he supposedly killed. It was like 40 or something. It was like a huge number. And if you're really into this stuff, there's a great documentary on Netflix called the confession killer. It's not the confession tapes. That's a different thing. It's the confession killer. And it's all about Henry Lee Lucas and how like most of his confessions now they have proven basically could not have happened. Like he was like a thousand miles away from like people who died on the same day and like just all sorts of stuff that like shows that like most of his confessions and like DAs were just bringing cases and trying to get him to confess so they could kind of close the case. So it turns out that he probably didn't kill like even close to as many people as he was known for killing, but it's a, like a really good documentary and I highly recommend it if you're into those things. Cause it's really good. Okay. I have a question for you. Sure. Cause I, you, you, I know you are deep into the true crime stuff. Mm-hmm. And I also know that I think there have been like books written about this, what I, the question I'm going to ask you. So, you know, don't expect like a fully like <laughs> answer my question. That's the end of the story kind of thing. But what do you think like when serial killers confess to things that they obviously did not do? Like, like at, the, at the very top, we talked about like the Zodiac Killer vibe, right? And there's like debate about like whether all the things he said, you know, whether some of the crimes were actually his or not, right? So why do you think they confess to things they didn't do? So my answer has multiple parts. So one, there's okay. a whole trend of false confessions for people who are innocent. And that is a whole thing. And you can like read a lot about it. And I think like This American Life has a really good like segment on that and it's like a detective who realized that he was like leading people into like knowing details without even realizing he was doing it and getting people to confess and like then going okay well they know all these details it must be true but like he was feeding them those details with serial killers who confess to stuff they didn't do usually it's they want notoriety they want fame uh with ted bundy he we know he killed like what like i can't remember how many his actual confirmed count is but he like claimed it was like 103 or something at one point, but that was like three days before he was scheduled to be executed and the FBI was there. And I think most people believe that he was trying to buy more time so that like they would stay his execution and he could like help them find bodies of these supposed victims. So sometimes it's notoriety. Sometimes it's to make a deal, I think. Cause, and with Henry Lee Lucas, like this documentary is like, it's a docuseries. I think it's like four parts. A lot of it was that he was getting like attention and he was getting driven out to these places where he could like then show them where the body was and stuff like that. So like he got to leave prison and do all this stuff and be like in the media and be like kind of a 
rock star for a while. And so I don't think he was thinking of like the consequences of like, then you're going to be tried for all these crimes. It was more like, it was an in the moment, like I get all these benefits from doing it right now. So I think there are different reasons. And I think a lot of it, like with Zodiac, is just about notoriety and wanting that count to be higher. Okay. I was wondering because like, obviously if he's confessing, like you said, like for notoriety or for possibly staying, like you, you assume you're given information that's valid. Like if he's going out to sites and finding right. bodies, well then he's, that's probably something he did. No, but like, but if you're confessing were, to stuff that you didn't do. Well, they were like giving him, they were inadvertently feeding him information or even in some cases inadvertently oh, feeding him information. Okay. So he would know. Like, in, okay. so yeah, it's a really good documentary. I highly recommend it if you're interested in that stuff. Cause it is like a lot about the psychology behind it and like why you would confess to things you didn't do. Although in his case, he, he probably did kill like several people. It just wasn't nearly like 50 or something. Okay. Cause I mean, then the flip side of that is you've got people wanting to close cases. Yes. And it's like, you're closing cases and you may or may not know that you're closing a case just for the sake of closing it when that means like there's still like a criminal killer whatever right like still on the loose but it's like well at least your case count is good like that's awful oh yeah it's absolutely shitty but it absolutely sorry it's absolutely awful but that's exactly what happened in some cases you can say shitty on this podcast and they won't they won't reopen a lot of the cases even though now it's been proven that he like could not have killed these people so yeah it's it's not a great system (laughs) our justice system needs work by the way we should probably abolish the death penalty um Kay thinks yeah i (laughs) i I both agree and disagree and that's maybe another that's maybe discussion for yeah yeah that's my biggest thing with it is just that so many innocent people are executed yeah and that's the problem that i and i don't i also don't think it's the state's place but i'm not gonna like be sad that ted bundy's not in this world anymore yeah i mean i have like an ideal world i'd be like one you would definitely know the person did it right so you would have like indisputable facts that this person was a killer right which and then i'd be like you know put them in a room with the victim's relatives and see what happens (laughs) um yeah yeah so totally yeah it's yeah anyway (laughs) so it turns out that internet trolls may have resulted in the writing of this episode and in the flipping of the script with scully and Mulder in this because according to wong so not morgan in this case according to wong because this was the early days of the internet yes and he recalls looking at some message boards about that was on I he named it but I forget what it was and talking about the episode and everyone's just all like Scully is a bitch like she doesn't believe anything she's awful and so they had planned I guess something for like maybe the end of the season something was going to happen that was going to show like she would believe and so they decided like well maybe we need to write something sooner because people are complaining about Scully I mean obviously it was the internet they were probably just misogynists complaining about a woman in a television series. Right. So, but yeah, but that may have, you know, so they, that may have resulted in this episode being written or at least this episode being placed where it was in the season. Yeah. So, yeah. And then there's a quote for Morgan that I'm just going to drop in and then I'm going to walk away from it. I promise (laughs) I'm not going to go. So Morgan says, I am uncomfortable talking about my own work. <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say. Okay, Morgan. Let it go. I love okay. So now we're going to yeah. get to ratings. I mean, I loved the episode so much. So you did a good job. I think it was good. 
I loved it really hard. Um, and like, it's funny because when I was looking at the X-Files season one episode list and like mm-hmm. kind of point, like, you know, I remember certain things and my memories are vague and I don't get things correct all the time. Like I remember this one having a lot more to do with Catholicism. Oh my gosh, I can't say that. I remember, Catholicism. The, I remember this one having a lot more to do with Catholicism than it does. And it obviously doesn't even come in. Um, so that must be a different episode or I invented that. But when I was looking at the list of episodes and thinking like which ones I really was going to love and like remember Beyond the Sea didn't even like hit me as one that I was going to like really like. And I don't know. So this week is weird for me. And like the timing of this worked out kind of strange because like yesterday was October Yeah, it 10th, did. And October 10th was my brother Andrew's birthday. And then he actually passed away five years ago and he actually died on October 15th. <laughs> So this week is, it's a pretty sucky week for me. And like, so grief is. Oh, so yesterday was his birthday. Yeah. And then he passed away five okay, years ago. I, on the, I misunderstood. I thought he passed away. No, the 10th was yesterday. his birthday. Okay. And then the 15th, he died. So this is five years okay. ago. Um, so this whole week is just like, <laughs> my family tries to kind of celebrate his birthday and then like, you know, acknowledge that the 15th just sucks. <laughs> yeah. So okay. that's kind of where we are. But like, obviously, like grief is at the forefront of my mind. And then I was watching this episode and like, I really connected with Scully the whole way through. Like the fact that like, she wants to believe the psychic so badly because like, she wouldn't normally even give it a thought. She would immediately think that it was crap. But because of the situation she's in and this like raw grief, she just wants to believe it so badly. And then even like, at the end when she like comes to that conclusion that like he could have gotten that information anywhere it's probably crap and like i don't need a psychic to tell me that my dad loved me or that he was proud i just know that because he was my father like that i don't know it just hit me really hard (laughs) and i really loved it and i'm actually amazed i got through all that without crying oh my god (laughs) yay (laughs) go me but yeah i loved it a lot and i thought it was really good and i just i connected with scully on such a deep level that i'm gonna give this episode a nine whoa a nine Nine. it's one of my favorites that we've watched so far i really loved it okay all right so yeah i do have to say like we talked before we started recording and i asked you if you were okay doing this episode (laughs) today i'm fine because because i i I, this is something i learned about you actually yesterday like in real time i did not know about your brother yeah and i was like wow you know because we've been recording episodes on saturday and on sunday recently and so I was like, oh, my God, I'm glad we didn't schedule this for Saturday because and again, I misunderstood. I didn't realize it was your brother's birthday yesterday. I thought it was, yesterday was the anniversary of his of his death. I mean, they're both kind so, of the same now, and, but they're related. They're still. <laughs> and, yeah, it's not like one like there's a like, dichotomy of feeling there, right? right? Especially because yeah. they're so close to each other. Yeah, which, yeah especially. So um, but you're like, nope, we got this. So, yeah. yeah. But if you've ever wondered why, like, I haven't asked my brother, like, what he remembers about when we started watching it, it's because he's not here to ask. And my other Yeah, because brother- that is, yes, because this is the brother you've talked about. Yeah, it's, who- it's the brother who I went to the X-Files convention with and the one who, like, you know, we watched it together. My other brother is five years younger than me and, like, four years younger than Andrew. So, like, he was, I don't remember if he watched the X-Files with us. I kind of think he went upstairs and played Lego. I can ask him, but I don't think, I think he, this stuff freaked him out. So, I don't know if he watched it as much, but I don't think he'll remember as well either. Because he was yeah. just younger. So anyway, yeah, that's that's well, I think part of why I connected with this. But I think I might have anyway, because now that I'm older, like I've lost my dad. Like I understand. I just understand Scully completely in this episode. And I thought it was really well written. And I also love Mulder being the skeptic. Like I think that's great. 
yeah. it's great. I mean, aside from the weirdness at the end. Yeah, that but, part was, yeah. Ugh, that's why it doesn't quite get it. I mean, that's not why it doesn't quite get a 10, but that definitely doesn't help. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, so I am probably fortunate in that I haven't really lost any, I have a, a very weird family history. So I am kind of a de facto orphan at this point in my life, but I haven't really lost any family except for when I was a little kid. Like when I was four, both my grandpas died. And then when I was seven, like my favorite uncle died, but I haven't really lost anybody like as an adult. So I don't have that kind of thing. And I also have weird, like, like I have empathy for people. I really feel for people. I'm also a misanthrope and I hate people. So I've got like weird conflicts going on and how I feel about things and just, yeah, there may be some spectrum going on. I have no idea. So my feelings when things happen with people are odd to begin with. So that may or may not color my episode rating here. Totally. And, and that is not to say that like your emotions at this moment in time are coloring your rating of this episode. I don't want to, I don't want to imply that. So I did like this episode. I did have some problems with the episode, though. Totally. And some of them we've talked about. So I don't know that we've talked about all of them, but I don't need to be like, I don't need to just be a ranty bastard every <laughs> single episode. Well, it is very like so, Silence um, of the Lambsy and like. Very, it, yeah, like, I, I, like I didn't mention that. That was actually some, that was some stuff in my notes and I didn't mention that at all. Like it is very Silence of the Lambsy, exactly. Which strangely, people talk a lot about. Well, I guess I can kind of see it. I didn't really see it. Like I've talked about the connection between like Scully and Clarice Darling. It is Darling, right? I think it's, oh my God, now I can't remember. It's Clarice, I know, it's Clarice, but I forget I the last it was name. Starling. Maybe it is. It's something like it's, it rhymes with that. Yeah. So we'll go with that. I don't yes. remember for sure. So I haven't seen that yeah, movie in so like forever. I have talked about the connection between like Scully and her before, especially in the pilot episode with her hair was much more like, Clarice's mm-hmm. and then this with like the the you know kidnapping and keeping them from a while and torturing them before you kill them kind of thing is definitely like and then because Scully is the one at least not in the beginning but throughout the rest of the episode Scully is the one really dealing with Boggs and so it's like the female FBI agent dealing with the serial killer to find out about the other killer so they can save the kid yeah. and I have complained in the past about like can we stop stealing from other people <laughs> all the time so yeah so strangely I didn't really rant that much about this in this episode but I did like this episode like I said there was some stuff that bothered me about it but I think I'm going to give it a seven okay which is probably high for me at least according to the last few episodes so but yeah I'm gonna go with seven cool so I mean you could give it a three. I wouldn't feel offended or anything. No, no, I do think it's a good episode. I, know. I was and I, and again I'm trying to I'm trying to keep my numbering system in perspective with previous episodes. Right, which is hard. So yeah, so I'm I was trying to think like like six seems too low. Do I want to go seven? I I don't feel like I go eight. And so I was like, seven, I think I'll go with seven. So yeah, so I'm gonna go with seven. Cool. Yeah, we are actually at the halfway point now. Yeah. We're at episode 13, and there's only 24 episodes in this series. I mistakenly mentioned last episode that there were 25. Oh, whoops. <laughs> yeah, but it's actually only 24. So we are we are we are beyond the halfway point now because we are in episode 13. So Wow. 
for season one. Of yeah, Marvel. for season one. Uh, yeah. Yes. So we still got a ways to go, but for season one, we're more than halfway through now. So nice. Yeah, and I feel like this was so much better than Fire too, which like. Oh God, yes. <laughs> I mean, and that that's the other issue too. It's like it's so it's like my my problem with Deep Throat. There was pilot, which I gave a nine, and then I deep throat. I just like I said, I think I punished deep throat for the fact that it wasn't the pilot because it was just so. I think I rated it worse than it really was at the time. So this was another one of those things where like this was really good, but then I'm trying to like pull back and be like, okay, you know, hold your horses. It wasn't you know amazing. It just it was it was good, and it was way better than the previous one. Yes, so it was. Try to be equitable, but yeah, I'm I'm comfortable with seven. Cool. All right. Well, hopefully we're on the upswing. Although I've got to say the title of the next episode makes me super nervous and I suspect it's going to be kind of problematic. Yeah. And the next episode is called gender bender. So we'll see. I have no memory of what that episode is. So yeah. I, don't I mean, know. and just based on things like Mulder grabbing Scully <laughs> and you know, who knows what this is going to be like. Uh, yeah, but... I'm, I'm a little, especially given the 90s and the culture in the 90s, I yeah. expect it's going to be kind of... I did inadvertently read a summary. Okay. And so part of it makes me think it's weird, but it might not be as like... Might not be as awful as I think. <laughs> yeah. Like as, yeah, like, like offending, you know, <clears throat> like super transphobic, homophobic, every phobic kind of thing going on hopefully not. so hope, hopefully it's not that there's going to be weirdness in it just by the premise. oh 100 yeah and so we're two cis people so i mean we'll talk about this next time but we'll we'll try to address it as best we can i don't know what the episode yeah. even contains yet so i don't even know what to say other than i am nervous yes so we shall see yes we will <laughs> yes so on that note i guess we're done i think with- so beyond the sea yeah all right i want to rewatch is hosted by tori and nick and recorded at black cat studios hashtag really just a bedroom closet episode production editing and mixing is by lazy and productions our music is dark science by david hillowitz and the truth is what we make of it by the agrarians be sure to subscribe rate and review to help us improve the podcast and reach more listeners you can find us at IWantToRewatch.com or wherever podcasts are found. And you should definitely check out our show notes. Every episode has show notes that include a short summary, our research materials, and where to find us online. And you can always share this podcast with a friend. If they like The X-Files, we'd love to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we rewatch episode 14, Gender Bender. And try to figure out if the, the truth, truth is still, still out there. there.
Are you there? Yes. It's your okay. turn, right? Is, yeah. Is it my turn? Yeah, because oh. I just did oh. the whole bit about Scully. And... Oh, he's still thinking. Oh, sorry. No, and your, a... mic, your mic your mic kept cutting out when you were laughing. So oh, weird. Sure you're still there or not. Yeah. yeah. So all your laughter is gone. I'm so not... give, me some, give me some fake laughs so I can edit in. <laughs> so. Well, now I'm laughing at the fact that I'll just think of, I'll just think of Bigfoot boobs in the jersey. Oh, it's yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hashtag Bigfoot boobs. Oh my gosh. All right. 